Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, the NFL finally gets into the sports betting business and what President Trump still doesn't understand about his own tariffs. But first, taking a bite out of Apple. So yesterday, shortly after the market closed, Apple announced that its revenue from the fourth quarter, otherwise known as the Christmas quarter, will be short of prior estimates by between $5 billion and $9 billion. Even for Apple, that's a very big chunk of change, and any sort of revenue miswarning is almost unheard of for the iPhone maker. Investors, understandably, freaked out. As I taped this on Thursday morning, shares are off nearly 10%, or $15.57 per share. Hey Siri, what's 15.57 times 4.75 billion? That would be 73,957,500,000. So what's going on? To hear Apple tell it, this is mostly about China, where economic growth is slowed. CEO Tim Cook also said that the ongoing trade war has had a negative impact, although was also quick to add Apple hasn't experienced any sort of specific retaliation from the Chinese government. Now, look, to be sure, this isn't only about China. There are certainly broader growth worries for a now saturated smartphone market. But why it matters really is China, because Apple is viewed as a good barometer of the broader Chinese economy. Everyone knew things had slowed down there based on official government reports. But Apple's warning suggests that the Chinese economy and Chinese consumer demand are decelerating faster than outsiders recognized and maybe faster than China's government is willing to admit. That is a much louder financial alarm bell than whatever is currently going off in Cupertino or Wall Street. And it renews worries that the past decade's global economic boom could be on a trajectory toward a bust. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on all things Apple with Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Freed. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Freed shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios' Ina Freed and Ina When you heard Apple's warning yesterday for the first time, did it read to you mostly as a China story or a iPhone smartphone story? It's one of those things where when you first start reading, you think it's a China problem. But the more you read, the more you realize that the big issue for Apple is that it's an iPhone problem, manifesting most strongly in China. But Apple has an iPhone problem that's bigger than China, too. What is Apple's iPhone problem? Is it simply the fact that we're kind of at a market saturation point, kind of everyone has a smartphone and and thus it can't maintain the same sort of growth going forward that it did a year or two or five years ago? That's the main problem and everything else sort of manifests from there. So people are pretty happy with their phones. They're keeping them longer. Apple had this unique thing that happened where the big reason many of us get new phones isn't so much new features. The battery just kind of wears out after a couple of years. And Apple had this program where you could get a very inexpensive battery repair for your existing phone. And I think for a not insignificant number of people, it's like my old phone with a new battery, that's pretty good. About two months ago, Apple traditionally in its quarterly reports has broken out and said, you know, we sold this many iPhones last quarter and this many iPads and this many Macs, etc. And they said a couple months ago they weren't going to do that anymore. Should that have been a warning sign to everybody that they were having iPhone problems? Well, I think it was, and a lot of people did recognize it as such. The idea that the smartphone market was maturing and plateauing 
isn't news to anyone and shouldn't have been news to Apple. I think, obviously, things were far more severe in the holiday quarter, and that probably was a China issue. But the underlying issue about smartphones maturing is something that I think a lot of people are saying, you guys should have noticed this. You guys should have been prepared for this. And to Apple's credit, I don't think they were caught unaware about that problem. But they were caught unaware, right? Because, I mean, this was they're the ones that are saying that the guidance is going to be off, that they're going to miss earnings by a substantial amount. So that is on them, right? It is. I think that piece is probably more China. Most of the miss on revenue is probably China. But I think the issue here is that the iPhone issue that's going to persist, the thing that's going to be a problem for this year and next year, and until Apple has a whole new category, is the fact that its big money maker is slowing down. And I think that's a huge issue for Apple. And it's not a new issue. Apple works best when innovation is at its highest. The more a category matures, the more the competition is similar to Apple, the more your old product is good enough. Apple really needs, and I've been saying this for a year or two now, the real question is, what's Apple's new category? Is it healthcare? Is it cars? Is it a deeper dive into content? Apple's next act has got to be the priority for the company. Do you think Apple knows what its next act is, or at least what it hopes its next act is going to be? Or do you think it's still kind of flailing around and still trying to decide between those things you said and maybe a fourth and fifth option? I think it's investing heavily in a couple of those areas. So it's certainly betting on cards and healthcare, I would say, are the two big bets. With content, kind of a third one. I mean, Apple has spent a lot of money in the last year making all these content deals with no, as of yet, cohesive, here's our Netflix alternative. They have a thousand plus people at one point working on cars. Clearly, there's something going on there. And I think probably the the near-term one with the most opportunity is healthcare because they don't have to necessarily build all new hardware here. The iPhone and the watch really can be the delivery vehicle for a big bet in healthcare. And that's really the opportunity. Are you surprised they haven't moved faster on that? Or You know, I know last year with the watch, they came out, you know, with this kind of tentative EKG product. But are you surprised that we don't have something much more kind of revolutionary from them? And, and as you say, it doesn't have to be brand new hardware, but substantially upgraded hardware over the rest of the market? Not necessarily, because healthcare is such a long business. I think Apple has actually made the right moves, hiring doctors, establishing relationships with the FDA. These things take time. And I think what we've seen a lot of are startups that underestimate how deep and entrenched the health bureaucracy is. I think Apple is making the right move in learning that bureaucracy and working with it. Apple gets viewed a bit as a barometer into China in terms of economic growth and also in terms of consumer demand. Is that fair? In other words, does Apple deserve that reputation or could part of its problem in China right now be more homegrown or at least Asian-grown competition? I think that there's certainly an issue that Apple really only addresses sort of that growing upper middle class of the Chinese market. And I do think it's become an issue. It used to be the iPhone was the status symbol. Like, that's how you were cool in China. And with a growing anti-U.S. attitude and improved domestic competition, things like Huawei has this incredibly good smartphone, the Mate Pro, which has an incredible camera. And so I think what you're seeing is better homegrown competition, some anti-American feelings. That's certainly going to eat into their market as well. Apple's trading at about a one and a half year low. Would you anticipate by the end of the year Apple stock is higher or lower than it is today? I think it is higher if we have a better sense of what Apple's next act is. It's probably lower if everyone just has the iPhone business to go on.
Do you think by the end of year, we'll actually know truly what that next business segment is and real plans for it? I think there's a good chance we won't unless the stock price is so high. Apple tends not to signal where it's going nearly as much as it does when it's ready. And I think this is a long shift. And this is a tough period for Tim Cook and for Apple because they don't have that shiny new next thing. And I think that's likely to be a persistent problem in 2019. Well, it's been the story of Tim Cook's entire tenure. No shiny new thing. Ina Freed, thank you so much for joining us. My final two right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the National Football League, which this morning announced that it has picked Caesars Entertainment to be its first ever casino sponsor. Per a press release, it is a multi-year deal whereby Caesars will provide, quote, unique experiences to NFL fans. No explicit mention in there about gambling, but that's what this is about. And it is a giant step forward for a league which has for decades pretended that its massive popularity isn't significantly boosted by bets. And in fact, don't be surprised to see further moves in this direction by the NFL, particularly if the temporarily homeless Oakland Raiders end up in Nevada a year earlier than originally planned. Finally, President Trump this morning tweeted that the U.S. Treasury has taken, quote, many billions of dollars from the tariffs we are charging China, end quote. So, yeah, the president tweeted that, but it's worth a very quick reminder that tariffs don't work that way. We haven't charged China anything as it relates to tariffs. Who we do charge is U.S. importers of Chinese goods who then either pass the tariff or tax onto U.S. consumers or eat the cost themselves or maybe some combination of the two. It is unclear if Trump still somehow doesn't understand how tariffs work or if he's just not telling the truth, but that doesn't mean the rest of us shouldn't understand what's going on. And we're done. Thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great National Chocolate Covered Cherries Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.